Welcome back, everyone. Today we have Caroline King, right? Is that Yep, Correct? that's right. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she is coming to us. Currently, you're in which Tucson, city? Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, but mm-hmm. she's actually moving to Brooklyn at the end of the month. So yes, all I of am. our New Yorkers who listen, get ready. Hey, y'all. They're not I'm even so ready. Excited. They don't even know yet Nobody's how much ready. they're yeah. going to want to meet you. <laughs> it is so mutual. And of course, uh, speaking is aloe, and we have... Punch over here. Say hi. Hey team. What's up? What's happening? <laughs> it's episode 23. Holy sugar. It only, it only took to the twenties for me to start remembering what episode number it is each week. <laughs> Details are irrelevant. 20 <laughs> something. <laughs> yes. Exactly. One day we'll stop counting. One day. <laughs> Time doesn't yeah, mean anything anymore since pandemic times. It's hard to keep it's track so of true. weeks or months. We'll be like, it's season two, back to round one. Like, <laughs> can't, I can't count above 30. Like, I don't know. <laughs> we'll I see. love it. So um, Caroline will have you introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, there was going to be something, but I forgot what I was going to say. Well, so we'll just, we'll let you introduce yourself and what we're going to be talking about today. Sweet. Uh, sweet. So I'm Caroline King. I am a photographer. Um, I live in Tucson. I've been here for about seven years. I moved here originally for graduate school in philosophy. That's what I had been doing for a long time, academic philosophy. And then I discovered photography about halfway through grad school and sort of shifted gears to that. And so that's what I've been doing for the last several years. And yeah, as you guys mentioned, I'm moving to New York at the end of the month, which I'm super psyched about. It's a move that I've been trying to make happen for a long time and it is it's finally here now I'm just I'm just trying to think of how much the world would be missing out on if you had never made a shift from like the philosophy route into the <laughs> photography route I'm, I I think about how much I would be missing out on if I hadn't made that <laughs> shift too yeah it was like a it feels sort of like it came out of nowhere. It feels like it just sort of like fell out of the sky into my lap. But as soon as it did, it was like so clear that that's what I wanted to do instead. And so, yeah, it feels like this weird mix of like cosmic fate that I discovered it and, you know, all the other things that go into building your own business. But yeah, it, right. it definitely feels like the universe just sort of delivered it to me. Do you feel like you kind of incorporate any of the philosophical principles that you you know, studied in school and incorporate that into your photography projects? Right. People ask me this sometimes and I, the answer is sort of yes and no. I mean, I think that one of the things that I did a fair amount of in the philosophy world is feminist philosophy. That was sort of one of my main sub field areas of interest. And so there's obviously a lot of overlap between that and like sort of academic feminism and the the kind of sorry, photography that I do a lot of, which is largely portraiture and boudoir. So there's a lot of themes that overlap. But I also, when I discovered photography, it felt in a lot of ways like sort of the antidote to a lot of the things that I was unhappy with in academia and in philosophy. And so while I really love philosophy and I think there's a lot of value to it, I also really enjoyed that photography felt like a very separate endeavor to me. And it felt like this way of tapping into this sort of artistic, creative part of myself that I didn't really feel like I had lots of opportunities to do in academia. So, I mean, I think in some ways my philosophy training will always be a part of me and it informs how I see things in the world, but also I really enjoy that photography has felt like a really different endeavor than, than academia has. 
That's really cool. I love that you, so like when you say you bring like feminism into your portraits, mm-hmm. is it more like uplifting women, body positivity, more? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe one of the most useful lessons from feminine, my sort of feminist study is that people just have such radically different experiences in the world and, and their experience of even sort of broad dynamics like sexism and misogyny and racism and whatnot are really different from person to person. So what I, the thing that I, that I feel like is most important in my photography work for me is to sort of allow people's own stories to come through. And even in a context like a boudoir shoot, which is this very sort of like stylized particular kind of portraiture, I really try as much as possible to let um, people take the lead in showing me what they want to come through in their photos and and showing me what about the experience is important to them and what drew them to it. And I think in a lot of ways, that's like been one of the most important lessons, at least in contemporary feminism, is that like you can't, you can't make sort of broad sweeping generalizations about groups like women's experiences or something. They can be just so radically different and there's so many things that can inform it. So I feel like that is one way in which my experience in studying feminism from an academic point of view has informed my photo work. That's awesome. I just think the more I talk to you and learn about you, I'm like, she's so cool. Age <laughs> <laughs> has a, a major girl crush. She's girl oh, crushing. Oh, Am I blushing? I'm glad we're not recording video. <laughs> <laughs> you are blushing oh, yeah. a little bit. A little bit. It could also be because I have a mild case of the flu. That might be part of it. Oh, <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on, even though you're not feeling well. I do appreciate it. This is so much fun. So I want to really dig and dive into this boudoir slash body positivity Mm -hmm. kind of style question mark that you have. If you guys head over to her Instagram, Caroline King Photography, you guys, (laughs) she takes some of the sexiest photographs I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, how do I get them done myself? (laughs) Yes. Literally just say the word. That's how you get them done. (laughs) Yeah. How how did you decide to start doing that? And how has it progressed for you over the past couple of years? Yeah, it's, I didn't necessarily start out planning to become a boudoir photographer. When I first started photography, I was at the very beginning, just sort of trying to take photos of as many different things and people as I could. I was doing lots of like headshots and sort of basic portrait sessions and stuff. And then I got into the boudoir stuff because I had a couple of friends who are sex workers who asked me to take photos for them for their clients. And so it, oddly enough, my, my sort of foot in the door of boudoir photography was through sort of like taking client photos for my sex worker friends. And there were some differences between that style of photography and boudoir photography, but there was a lot of overlap. And it felt like, as soon as I started playing around with it, it felt like a kind of photography that captured a lot of things that were really important to me. I had been involved in Tucson for several years in some sort of body liberation activism circles and, you know, capturing bodies and the truth about people's relationship with their bodies was always the thing that was most interesting to me even before photography but definitely once I started photography that became really fascinating to me and so so that was sort of how the boudoir stuff started and then it ended up just being the thing that I got the most business from like I had it's it's the sort of thing I think that resonates with a lot of people but they might not know that they wanted to do it until they saw examples of it and so I think Mm -hmm. it it sort of called to a lot of people in a way that surprised me too 
and and it, well you're really good fun. at it thank you I see some <laughs> cheesy boudoir photography and I'm like oh there's a lot had, of different styles of boudoir photography and and some of them are definitely on the cheesier end well and I think that like you either I'm not a photographer so I can't say for sure <laughs> but in my opinion you either understand how to capture the moment and the thing that makes it enticing and makes people feel sexy, makes them look at a picture and be like, wow, like I feel really good about myself in that yeah. image versus stop and pose and yes. like, let's hide this body roll. Let's yes. do this. Let's suck in and feel skinny. <laughs> and I've seen some very sexy boudoir images that are like that of right. people that have naturally really like culturally accepted beautiful bodies right. but I think that what makes your work really stand out is that it doesn't really matter what somebody looks like or what you're attracted to you have this ability to bring out what makes that person attractive um, thank you that's yeah. really lovely to hear that's what I would hope that's that really is so much what I would hope to bring out in my photos. I know exactly what you mean. I think that like a lot of boudoir photography is, you can sort of see what the photographer's priorities are by looking at their photos and like what they think about their subjects and sort of what they wanna capture in them by looking at their photos. And you're right that a lot of boudoir photography I think is sort of like, there's these implicit ideas about what sexiness looks like and what bodies are supposed to look like and what beauty looks like. Uh, that you can tell certain photographers endorse more than others by looking at their photos. And yeah, one thing that I actually do in my, in all of my boudoir shoots, I start all of them by saying that the thing that I want my client to focus on more than anything is what their body feels like rather than what it looks like. And that's for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think that, that is, it makes for the best experience for the client, because if you're doing that thing that you described, where you're just sort of like in this sort of like like frozen, uncomfortable, po very pose oriented. Don't breathe. Way. Yeah. Don't breathe. <laughs> suck in your stomach or just like make sure your rolls aren't whatever, all that bullshit. Like I think all of that is, it translates to a really uncomfortable experience for the client. And I think it might, it might result in, in good looking pictures, but I think a lot of the time it ends up leaving them feeling stiff and uncomfortable. But I also think that even just if you're focusing on trying to get the best pictures, the best way to do that is to focus on how your body is feeling so you can really inhabit your body. And I think the pictures look more natural. I think they evoke more emotion and passion in the photos if, you, if, the, if the subject is really feeling something good in the photos rather than just trying to like portray a particular version of frozen sexy. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> Great. <laughs> awesome. Um, Alo, do you have any questions or do you want me to shoot? No, I, I'm just, I have a I'm tendency to sometimes to like bulldoze with my questions. <laughs> Burning questions. I do, I do it too. It just depends on what the episode is, who we're talking to. So I Perfect. get it. I think for me, I'm just listening to you talk about this and I'm, I think I might have to be like drunk or like on some <laughs> type of drugs to like accept do that my, sometimes. <laughs> my body. Like I, like we, I mean, Punch and I talk about this all the time on the podcast and like how I'm still just like very insecure. I wish that like I'm working, I'm doing all this internal work, but I wish I could just be like, I'm sexy, you know, yeah. but I'm like, I don't want anyone to see, right. I don't want anyone to see me naked. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah. If I'm being honest. So yeah. to like, to capture that moment and freeze it and put it into something that is there forever. 
how do you make these people comfortable? Does anyone come in and they're like, please don't take pictures of me, but I know you have to take pictures of me. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. Is like, how do you deal? How do you go through that process? Yeah. 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 I mean, first of all, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that every single person that comes into a boudoir shoot is nervous and um, unsure about what the experience is going to be like. I mean, no one is naturally comfortable in front of a camera immediately. That's just like, it's not a, it's not a thing most of us do in our daily lives. So unless you're like a professional model, there's no reason why you should feel immediately comfortable. Like Giselle Bunchen or whatever. Yeah, she's fine, but nobody else is. We need need to send Audrey (laughs) to get her photos done with you. One of my sex worker friends that was yes. on the podcast. Send She's amazing. I'm going to connect you guys. Incredible. Anyway, okay. That. So continue. Most yeah. of us are self conscious. Most we're of us are self conscious, totally. And yeah, both about, you know, most people have at least some insecurities or hang ups about their body or about their sexuality. And also compounding that with the sort of novel experience of being in front of a camera, most people end up coming in with some sort of uncertainties about the experience. So that's totally fine. And I think it's actually, it shouldn't necessarily, I think, be the goal to just look like you know exactly what you're doing in front of the camera. That's certainly not my goal to make people look that way. What I want in boudoir sessions and in any kind of photo sessions is really just to capture like what is true about that person. And I think that insecurity can be an interesting part of that experience. Like I've had people do boudoir sessions and say like, I can see something in myself in these photos that I, that I think is true, but I don't know that I would have known how to bring out if I was like coming in trying to be posy and like achieve this look that we're going for. And I think that really the best way to do that, like I said, is to sort of focus on the experience of what it feels like to be in the shoot. So one thing I do, for example, is I, I have people spend a lot of time in boudoir shoots with their eyes closed and breathing and like moving their hands over their bodies and sort of feeling the tactile experience of what the shoot is like. And I think that that settles people into their body in a really nice and natural way. And I think that, you know, we just sort of talk and hang out and keep shooting the whole time, but it feels more like we're hanging out, like we're friends than than we're in some sort of like high stakes photo shoot situation. And I think that contributes a lot to people's feeling of of comfort in it. But I also think that most people have a much scarier idea of what the experience is going to be like beforehand. So even separate from the things that I do to direct people to try to feel comfortable, I think it's just the sort of thing that like seems in the abstract really terrifying. But once you start it, it feels more natural than than you think it's going to. And I think that that is true for just about everyone who comes in to do it. I don't think that I've had anyone leave more uncomfortable than they got there, I hope. So yeah, so I think it's just this thing where you sort of feel it out as you go. I think it feeling like this very sort of low stakes natural situation helps that a lot. But also, you know, sometimes people show up with a bottle of tequila or a joint, like do whatever you need to do and and like whatever will That's make it fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> Aloe's gonna be like I took three shots I brought two blunts yep, yep, and I'm yep. ready I mean truly I took... people do it all the time <laughs> yeah I would be like three shots of some tequila I yep. have a, a big fat blunt roll it's like yep. uh, New York driving people, down the yeah. house breaking trees at a touch <laughs> and I think I would probably also have to have a bottle of champagne people like, do it all the time and I think it's I mean I'm totally fine with it the thing that I think it can be for some people helpful just to sort of loosen up and get out of their own heads. I think it's like also important though in the experience to not like numb yourself out so much that you can't feel any of the the 
anxiety that you might be feeling because I think that there's like something really interesting that happens in this vulnerable space where you're like doing this new scary thing and you're going into the experience not sure how it's going to feel and I think a little of that adds a lot of really interesting honesty and energy in the photos so I say totally take a shot don't take 10 shots before you get there (laughs) (laughs) well I love that concept I think it kind of like as you're talking about it I'm like that makes sense that that would like bring out kind of an appealing energy like when I think about you know being intimate with a partner for the Mm -hmm. first few times or like when you're trying something new like there is that kind of like genuine intrigue and anxiousness that's Mm -hmm. a part of that that is kind of attractive totally yeah Um, I agree I mean it's this and vulnerable yes totally it's it's this space of like intimate exploration and that's part of what we're doing I mean that's part of why it's such a like truly such an honor to do boudoir photography because it's extremely it's this extremely intimate space that you're being led into with people who you're sort of you're sort of getting to see a side of people that like maybe nobody except their sexual partners has seen and maybe not even them um, because there's another sort of interesting dimension that like when you're not when you're sort of in this intimate space but you're not like engaging with a partner it also creates an an extra amount of space for you to explore certain things about yourself that you might feel a little bit more pressure to perform in a certain way if you were in like a sexual context with a partner. And so, yeah, it it is this really sort of vulnerable space of honesty. And I think that that is, you know, going back to the the stuff you were saying before about how some kinds of boudoir photography are so cheesy. I think that can be what's missing in those spaces where it's like you, if you go in as a photographer, if you go in having like a clear idea of like, this is what sexy looks like. And this is what I want my subjects to look like. And this is what, you know, sensuality should, should be for them. You just miss all of this really interesting honesty and vulnerability in the individual experiences of your clients. I would want like crystals everywhere. Like I'm kind of, I'm yeah. kind of here for the cheese, you know? <laughs> well, that doesn't Honestly. have to be cheesy. Yeah. I feel like um, that's no, like who I'm you kidding. are and it's like that's sexy. Totally. It's yeah. funny because we're talking about like just like cheese in general. And I mm-hmm. like every like every time you say it, I'm like Don Juan was here last night. Don Juan, if you have never listened to you, people know who he is, but <laughs> he was here last night and he was like, You get so excited about the cheesiest things. Like <laughs> he's like he's like, it's so cute to see your like face light up over like the most trivial thing. So I feel like if I were doing a boudoir photo shoot, I would want like a little bit of cheese. I'm all for that. I can see what you say. (laughs) Do it. That sounds great. Um, I feel like, Ella, we have to go send you to do it. I feel like this will be the best thing for you. We are doing it. (laughs) I also think punch it. You and I should do one together, maybe for like a I was just gonna say that. I know. Like I think it kind of just encapsulates like who we are too, and how like we're on this road to discovering ourselves. I feel like through this podcast every week, I take something away every single time, discovering ourselves and like getting this confidence in in one another. And I feel like it would be empowering to like do these like risque punch and aloe. Yeah. Take on New York with Caroline King's photography. I'm into it. Hell yeah. I, I mean, well, we're both from joy. there. Oh it only makes yeah. sense to go home and do it. <laughs> Let's do this. Truly how, say the word. How do you decide, like, for any given person, do, do they pick or do you pick? Or is it a shared experience of, like, what they're going to wear, where you're going to be? Because I know you also have some, like, water photo shoots, which, by mm-hmm. the way, you guys, 
water is sexy. I didn't. Where I found out it's very sexy. Go to her page. Spread know. the word. Water is sexy. <laughs> Paige is like, I'm Drink so it, turned on. It, all the things. Yeah, and I like, just uh, don't look at my wet hair, and we're good. What hair is sexy too? That's part of the the whole aesthetic. Yeah. So I I, I have um basically two kinds of sessions, which is uh traditional boudoir and what I call wet sessions. This was, I, I didn't come up with this. This is an idea that I found inspiration from another boudoir photographer I follow on Instagram and she does them. And I was like, I am so doing that. So, right. So wet sessions are basically boudoir, but like in the shower. <laughs> so just think boudoir plus, plus shower and water. And it's just so much fun. Yeah. So I think I want to do that one. Yeah. Can we do it at like a waterfall? Oh my God. Yes. I, tr- okay. I just did for the first time, actually, I did an outdoor boudoir session at this place in Tucson. That's like a Canyon that has this sort of lake thing or whatever. And it was so much fun. So that, that is a new frontier. I would like to explore more is outdoor wet sessions. And um, um, we can do a mountain God. session if you're ever in Denver. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. We have so many things to do. Um. <laughs> we'll just hike. We'll hike in our corsets and our Perfect. boots. And exactly. we'll get there. We'll be like. Action shots. Yes, exactly. Oh I'm like, you exactly. just saying it gives me anxiety. <laughs> no, it's just going to be so much fun. I promise. Yeah. So, so I, I pick the location. Every time I shoot, I shoot out of like an Airbnb or a hotel room or something. So I take care of the, the location. I would love someday to have my own just fixed boudoir studio but since I travel a lot usually what I do is just shoot out of Airbnbs so the location is taken care of on my part but in terms of what people wear or how they want the shoot to look or what they want to incorporate into it I leave that totally up to them everybody has different things that they feel sexy in like lingerie is obviously sort of classic for boudoir but not everybody is like a lingerie person so you know people wear t-shirts and underwear or you know thigh high socks and tank tops or like you know sort of lounge sexy wear or like um, yoga pants like could I wear my yoga pants absolutely people genuinely do things like I mean it's like literally whatever you feel the most sexy in some people do their shoots totally nude some people do them in like fancy you know costumes and get-ups people can also like that would be punch (laughs) yeah. <laughs> really like fancy costumes <laughs> probably oh, yeah. not for like a, I mean maybe I probably do like if you had like you outfit options I'd do yeah. like a cash and then like a really over the top yes and then something. like a completely nude yes uh, people be probably yeah people often do basically that kind of range because you have you have enough time to play with several different kinds of looks and there are some things that are really fun to play within a boudoir setting that like don't necessarily translate in like actual sexual settings. So like complicated lingerie, for example, is so much fun to play with in a photo shoot. But like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't wear complicated lingerie when I'm having sex because it's like, I don't, it's too complicated. Who too, has like, time? I don't even, say, who has I don't time? even own any. It's right. And it's like, it's going to come off anyway. It's just like not the right setting for it. Well, so and it's, okay, so I've got a couple better. corsets, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, None of the positions that my partner yeah. and I enjoy are conducive you can't to yeah. hardwiring. <laughs> exactly. It's Absolutely. just not ideal. Exactly. So this is what boudoir <laughs> shoots are like best for. It's like if you have some like bonkers, crazy, complicated, sexy lingerie thing that you would never actually wear in a sexual context, but you want to capture, do it in a photo shoot. And so, yeah, people can do really whatever whatever speaks to them. I like to let clients as much as I possibly can guide what the shoot is going to be like I even have people do sort of like funny boudoir shoots like I had this one client she she had she had this vision that she wanted to capture of 
like food and boudoir. So she got, she ordered a pizza and we like took these sort of like funny, like she was totally nude, but like put the pizza slices on her body in these really like cute and playful ways. And like things like that are, are totally open as well. So it's I'm really obsessed with that. And now yeah. I want pizza. Yeah. Right. No now. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that around lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, eh. <laughs> oh, That's I so love fun. that. And then you do some work too with like couples, right? Or partners. Yeah, I do couples boudoir as well. So it basically, it just works the same way that regular boudoir shoots work, except there's two people. And it, couples boudoir shoots are really fun because, you know, talk about being let into like a really intimate space. Like you're you're being let into this really intimate space in their relationship together. And those are so much fun. They're like, I think in some ways they can, even though it seems really scary, it can sometimes be even more comfortable than a solo one because you get to just like focus on your partner and kind of ignore that I'm there. And I just tell people to like, you know, interact with each other in the way that they would if nobody else was in the room. And, you know, I give them a little bit of direction, but yeah, it's this really uh, fun sort of, a lot of times people will do it if they've like done a solo boudoir shoot and they want to do another one. So they'll grab their partner. We do couples regular sessions and couples wet sessions those are really fun couples in the I want to do a couples blast. wet session yeah. like I'm not going to they even are. pretend that I don't I think mm-hmm. Ted and I would have so much fun doing that they're so fun and it's another thing that's like people are scared beforehand but they have such a blast and then they want it's like people leave already asking when they can book their next one because it's just so much fun to just like be in the shower half naked with your partner getting photos taken so I'm obsessed with this yeah so how long is a typical shoot so I have two different formats. One is uh, a full session. The other is a mini session. So my full sessions are usually about an hour and a half long or so. And then mini sessions are like basically a little teaser sh- session. They're like 20 or 30 minutes or so. Those are fun. If you just like, you're not sure if you want to commit to a full session, you want to kind of dip your toes in the water or if fin- for financial reasons, that's what you can afford. Then I have the mini session option as well. But yeah, the full sessions are about an hour and a half. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think I would have to buy a full because it would take me 20 or 30 minutes to be like comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it would take you less time. I promise you it would take you less time, but it also is more fun because you just get to play with more. And also if you, with my mini sessions, you have to choose between regular or wet session because just of the time constraints. But if you want to be able to do both and you don't want to have to choose and like who wants to have to do do a full, do a full session. Yeah. How do people book with you? Tell me all the things so that I can plan, but also yes. for the listeners, we have so honestly, so many of our listeners are in the New York city area because nice. Aloe and I hail from the New York area awesome. originally. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are like, I need to know. So how do they <laughs> book with you? How does that work? Yeah. So, so people can book with me through my social media or through uh, my website. So my website is carolinekingphotography.com. Uh, my Instagram handle is just Caroline King Photography. The way that it works is I book my boudoir sessions on particular dedicated weekends. So what will happen is like about two months out or so, I'll announce when my next boudoir dates are, uh, and it'll be a particular weekend. Because what I because since I I book an Airbnb, I'll just book it for the whole weekend and then book up all my shoots at once. And so I'll announce my dates, and then people can contact me to grab a slot, and I'll just keep booking them until they're booked up. So my social media is the best way to stay. Uh, uh, in touch about what the next boudoir dates that are available are. So yeah, Caroline King photography on Instagram is the best way. This is awesome. I'm thinking about like, Oh, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I'm thinking about places like you have to check out the Hudson Valley. It's just like a short drive up nice. from Brooklyn. And you, I should also connect you with my, my girlfriend, Caitlin Ramsden, who she's like an amazing photographer and she does really cool things. And she's up there. I think you two would like hit yes, it off a hundred percent. Yeah. Any New York area photographers out there, I am so ready to like have a whole new community of photography people up there. So please, I would love you're going to gonna love it. Oh my yeah, God. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. This is a great journey. Thanks. Thank you. And yeah, just so I, you... Oh, no, go ahead. Ahead, no, 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 you go. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've been sort of like hypothetically planning this New York relocation for a while. Cause you know, after Paige and I graduated from Muhlenberg, like there were so many people we went to school with who like moved to New York because they were doing the theater thing or the dance thing or whatever. So I had this big community in New York. So it became this uh, like natural next place for my next move. I was never planning on staying in Tucson forever. So it seemed like the best next place. But yeah, and then COVID hit and that delayed everything. So <laughs> now that the world is sort of defrosting a little bit, I, I feel like it's time to do it. And now it's the perfect time because rent is cheap in New York. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> I know, right? And- and just so you guys know, Caroline does all kinds of photography. Like we're honing in on the boudoir because as you all know, Aloe and I are super into body image positivity. And we just like talk about these types of topics on a lot of our episodes. So having someone on who literally photographs and captures like the things we love and hate about ourselves and <laughs> makes them beautiful seems like a really aligned with what we love to talk about but if you just need like any other kind of photos she is just a beautiful photographer and portrait Thanks. photographer in general thank so you so don't hesitate to look reach out to her if you're like oh, I can't do the underwear thing you know <laughs> <laughs> thank you that's very sweet yeah I I mean I think that like a lot of the things that I care about in my boudoir photography translate into my other kinds of photography as well. I mean, there's certain sorts of things that like, you know, these, these ideas that we're talking about with this like super posy sort of like, don't let your roles show, don't let whatever, blah, blah, blah. There are photographers who do that kind of thing in non-boudoir shoots too, like wedding photographers who, you know, are, are very into the sort of like flattering make you look skinny poses or same thing with headshot I mean any kind of photography you can sort of see the photographer's priorities and how they view people's bodies through the way that they shoot and I I try to sort of incorporate this basic approach in all my my areas not just not just with boudoir yeah and I think it like it's interesting to hear you say that because I think it's like something aesthetically we can all kind of see but we maybe don't understand how to articulate that I've gone around with like tons of my friends that are getting married at like these bridal show conventions and things and you can you look at all the different photographers work and I think there's like this generic concept that it's like yeah anybody can take a picture like anybody can do it but it's like you can look at photographs and tell like when people are in tune with it versus when they're just like taking a photo yeah yeah like it does hit different it does to and like use the slang the kids using, I don't... <laughs> the kiddos on the street side. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think that like the part of it is just like some photographers are trained to develop their eye in that way that like this sort of idea, like these, these weird ideas about like what, for example, flattering looks like, like what flattering means is like a thing that people have certain ideas about it. And then they train other photographers to look for these things and to pose people in certain ways and to direct people in certain ways that like are in line with what things like you know flattering look like and I think that 
if you can separate from that a little bit, there's so much more interesting stuff going on that you can capture in photos when you're not just looking about like looking at how small someone's waist looks or like whether their you know teeth are perfectly white or something. There's just like so much more humanity that you can find in so many photos when you when you separate from those ideas a little bit. Well, and I also think that like flattery is something different to everyone. And I think that other, Mm -hmm. every individual, every body, not everybody, but every body is different and is going to look flattering in a different light, in a different way. Yeah. And I, like when you were saying before about like the frozenness of some of these photos, I think it's interesting to see how you can actually probably look at your pictures and you see their feelings instead of just like a stiff person (laughs) yes absolutely yeah and like what what I think looks good in photos sometimes can be different from what the client likes to look like in photos so like when I'm editing a gallery I I always have to try to give a full um range of ways that the client looks like there are some things that like for example I just could not care less about what some how you know how how someone's body looks in a particular angle or whatever but like sometimes to clients that might be an important thing so I like to give them a range of of ways that they look in their photos a range of sort of emotion and experience and also shapes that they might be more drawn to because the the client's favorite photos are not always my favorite photos and vice versa so it's it's all it's sort of an interesting dance between capturing what I want to capture as a photographer and giving the client what they're hoping to capture as the client as uh, as the customer so yeah, yeah it's it's sort of a tango I love that I just had a question pop into my head. I'm wondering <laughs> if there are any like do's and don'ts for boudoir. Mm, interesting. Yeah, there are a couple things that I think are really useful. Let's see. So one thing I always tell um, clients is to wear something that they feel good and comfortable in. So don't wear things that you think you only look good in one particular pose or angle from something you can move in something that feels good on your skin. So you're not like, you know, it's not digging in and scratching you as you're moving around. You want to feel comfortable when you come into the shoot, because if you feel comfortable, you'll look comfortable and vice versa. There are certain sort of like posy things that are sort that that are make for more natural looking photos. So, for example, one thing that often happens is when people with their eyes, when they give what they think is sort of a, na- a neutral eye, it actually reads sort of dead in photos. So I give people the Tyra direction a lot that you have to smile with your eyes. Um, smizing is a thing we talk about all the you time. Have and you, you have, have to smile. You have to It's really important. <laughs> yeah, just because it sort of brightens your face up a little bit. When um, you say that, I think of like Karen Dearborn when we were in doing like on the town and she's like you have to reach to the back of the auditorium with your eyes and energy eyes alive with the ballet class she's like look at Paige's eyes and I'm like I can't dance the best but I have good you've got the smiles the smiles is where it's at and it's so it's like there's there's so many things like this that like you just would not know that's like this is my job is to is to know how these things are going to translate into photos it's not really things that I worry about directing people to think about before they come into the shoot or anything because it's Mm -hmm. it's not the client's job to like know how all of these things are going to translate it's my job to bring them out want them standing in a mirror being like (laughs) sometimes people do practice in front of the mirror that's also fun (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I think basically just like the number one do is just 
try to uh, come into the shoot feeling as giving yourself the opportunity to feel as comfortable as possible. So wear things you feel comfortable in, whatever you do with hair and makeup, make sure it still feels like you. It doesn't feel like you're dressed up in a costume, you know, be ready to. Do you ever have people wear wigs? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That would be actually really (laughs) fun. You should do. We're just planning your shoot like one piece at a time here. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God, guys. I swear. I can't wait. I can't wait. We we wore wigs for Aloe's birthday. We had like a whole thing. It was during COVID and we um, had like everybody out on like the courtyard area of my complex. And she was like, what if we all wore wigs? I feel like this is a thing for you, Aloe. You have like a wig I love wigs. I I do. Don Juan hates the wig. He was like, (laughs) I can't look at you. He's like, please take it off. You look nothing like yourself. I'm like, that's the point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's that's actually, that's true. That's a, that's like a useful uh, distinction. It's like, I say, I say wear things that feel like you, but it's also true that this is just like a fun dress up opportunity. And so for some people, what they want to capture is like this fun fantasy thing. And in that case, like fair, my alter ego pink wig. Yeah. Yes. Like <laughs> well, I think if you're comfortable in it, you know, yes. that's, if you're going to have the wig on and be like, oh my God, does this black bob make my neck look fat? <laughs> right. like maybe that's not the wig for you. That you know? sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's just sort of like, don't do don't make wardrobe and aesthetic choices that you think you're supposed to because you're doing a boudoir shoot like do something that feels really true to what you want to capture either in like a fun dress up fantasy way or in like a really natural to who you are kind of way but I'm so like, excited I know, it's right? so funny Paolo, that you were like yoga pants because I literally was getting ready to spin and I put on this black pair of yoga pants and I looked in the mirror and I was like damn my ass looks good yes. I look skinny and I feel like weirdly so like you would think you probably wouldn't think Caroline because you deal with the ladies being comfortable in all different things but I feel like the the average woman would think that like you're sexy and like your little intimates are like your bra and underwear that are like skimpy and black and lacy or something but I don't actually feel comfortable in like a standard bra and underwear set because I feel like it accentuates the parts of me that I don't like it's like Mm. hey my boobs are so big that it pushes down on my belly fat when I have my bra on and it's (laughs) functioning so my tits look great but then my tummy looks horrible (laughs) and then my underwear like hits in a way where it's like hello lab how are you doing today but I love how my body looks when I just wear like just a pant right and nothing up top yeah, I mean, I so I've like, had that's people do what exactly I that look. Yeah, I've had people do exactly that look before. And I, you know, what's interesting is that like some sometimes what I tell people to do is like bring a bunch of wardrobe options. We can just decide on the day what you feel like wearing because sometimes you're just like, I don't know, I'm not in the mood for that outfit today, whatever. So just bring all of it. But I think one thing that can happen a lot of times in boudoir shoots is that like people come in with these ideas about like, what parts of their body they want to accentuate or de-accentuate or they come in with certain ideas about like which things they're going to look best in or feel best in and then as the shoot goes on they kind of let go of those things sometimes in this way that's really nice because like I think you know if I'm doing my job right what happens as the shoot goes on is you get more comfortable in your body and you get sort you sort of detach yourself from the idea of like this is this thing that I look really good in and this is this part of my body that I'm going to pose in this particular way or I don't want the camera to capture in this way or whatever and then as we keep going in the shoot and I hope what happens is that people sort of relax into the way their body is feeling and we end up sometimes we end up doing things like 
you know, I'll have clients come in and say like, okay, my stomach is the part of my body that I'm really uncomfortable with. I would like to, you know, pose it in ways that make it look skinnier or more flattering or whatever. And then sometimes what happens is like, we'll spend a little time and say like, okay, for the next 30 seconds, I'm going to just have you close your eyes and just let your stomach be as soft as it can be. And just breathe into your stomach and just let it sort of be in its natural state. And I'll take a few photos of them like that, but I also want them to just feel that so that they can sort of, you know, send a little bit of love to this part of their body that they've been battling with in the shoot. And I'll often people say that those photos are really meaningful to them later. Like they would have never thought that like taking a photo of their stomach in a really soft, squishy way would be something that they would feel good about, but then they see it. And it's like this new light in which they see their bodies. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that like, what I like to do is say, okay, bring a bunch of things. We'll capture anything that feels fun to you, but also leave a little space in your brain to sort of capture some stuff that like doesn't gel with this sort of preconceived notion of what you want your body to look like. I love it. They probably end up being some of the most favorite photos too. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely some of my favorite photos. And even if some, I mean, one thing that can happen and this is totally fine is that people see some photos like that and it takes them a minute to like adjust to seeing their body in that way. It's not always like, oh, I'm seeing this photo of my stomach and I love it immediately, but it's, it's, they grow on them and they, they at least give themselves the opportunity to, to look at their body in a different way. And sometimes that's really all it takes is just sort of opening the door to like, let me maybe take one baby step towards shifting how I feel about my stomach or shifting how I feel about my thighs or whatever, and just create a little more space for it. A little bit more acceptance. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Yep. It's baby steps. So with that, that kind of getting more like storyline artsy with it, can you tell us, I, I think your project was called the body stories project. I think you've maybe done more than one. I have done two chapters. Yes. I've done two chapters of it. Yeah. This body stories project. I started a couple of years ago, the first chapter I did in Tucson. And then just before the pandemic, a couple months before the pandemic, I did a New York chapter of it. Yeah. So it's basically just a portrait series that was, it was like a super simple stripped down format from a a photo point of view. And then I, I sort of paired these photos with test firsthand testimonies from my subjects about different aspects of their bodies and their relationship with their bodies. The sort of stylistic inspiration for it was, do you guys know Humans of New York? And Brandon, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love, love, love Humans of New York. I love the format. Brandon Stanton is a brilliant photographer. And so the one of my favorite pages, I know, right. It's just so compelling and it's so simple. And if, you know, for, for your listeners, I guess most people know this, but for those of you who don't know Humans of New York, it's this, it started as an Instagram page and it sort of has turned into this phenomenon of this photographer, Brandon Stanton, who just wanders around New York City and just takes photos of strangers and pairs them with little stories about their lives. And so that was this, the inspiration for the Body Stories series uh, was just, I want to know people's stories about their bodies and how they feel about their bodies. And so I started this photo series the first time I did it in Tucson, the second time I did it in New York, and I'm envisioning it as basically kind of an ongoing thing to do installations of it from from time to time. Yeah, it was, I, I didn't have like a clear vision of any particular thing that I wanted to capture about people's bodies in it, but I, so I kept it as open-ended as I could. And I think that that resulted in like the most interesting stories that people shared because people were like surprisingly transparent and vulnerable in what they were sharing about their experiences with their bodies. It wasn't all just like, you know, 
body positivity inspiration. A lot of it was just like, here's this really hard thing that I've been struggling with, with my body, or here's this really bad experience I had with my body or whatever. And, and that was, that was just what I wanted to capture was these really true and honest stories. It's funny it. that we're talking about this because in my yoga class this morning, you know, I relate everything back to yoga. Um, <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> my teacher, she's actually from New York, which, mm. um, I love, I love that. Like it was the first class I took at yoga pod in Boulder was with her. And I was like, I love this place. I'm coming back. Sweet. Um, she just has that energy, that vibe. Mm. And she said to us this morning, which I feel like will resonate with all of our listeners mm. and fits in perfectly. She's like, she told this story about when she was younger and they, her parents drove hoopties and they were like driving from Queens to Staten Island and they had to go through, um, Latoll and, you know, back in the day it was like coins. And, um, she said that every time they stopped the car, it would stall. And so it was always like her, her siblings and her in the back and then her mom and dad. And like, they would like roll through the toll booth and like make a game out of it. Like how slow can we go and like toss the coins in and like keep going. So the car doesn't stall. Yeah. Um, and then she would just kind of went in to say that, you know, there's these memories and we all have them, whether they're good or bad. It's what you, you know, it's part of our lives. It's part of the tapestry of who we are and it's interwoven into our DNA in a sense. And it's kind of like, how do we look back on these, these moments, these memories? Like, is it something that was bad that we can turn into a, a little bit of a joke? Like if something bad has happened to you, like, can you turn it around and see it in a positive way and vice versa If something, you know, extra good happened to you? Like, can you also step back and say, okay, well, I'm blessed, but like, I have to be a little humble about it. And then she started to say how we all have stories like this and we all have a history. And it just makes me think of humans of New York because she was like, and I want to know your stories. She's like, I wish I had time to sit down with each and every one of you. And it kind of made you think it's like, you're in this room with 30 people and every person there does have their own story. Like we all have this, this history that makes us unique and individual. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's really cool to capture that in a photo form and kind of encapsulate it forever. Yeah, I totally agree. And I could, yeah, people have, people have the most fascinating stories. People are so um, amazingly ready to share their stories. And there are so many stories that like, don't necessarily have some sort of like neat tidy ending or like moral of the story it's just like here's this complicated thing that I'm feeling I'm just gonna share it and just let it all kind of marinate and and I I got I've gotten so many lovely responses to the body story series but the the particular posts that I think I get the most that resonate the most with people are these ones that are like, this is just this sort of complicated thing. It's this thing that I'm struggling with and I'm still struggling with. I haven't figured out the answer or I haven't like, you know, come out of this dark place with this part of my body. And like those things, people really connect with them because there's so much, there's so much on the sort of internet body positivity world that is like, you know, one thing that people sometimes criticize about even the term body positivity itself or or the sort of approach of body positivity is that for some people, it's just not the truth about their bodies. This like sort of hyper celebratory, hyper positive, like super, yeah, I don't know, just this idea that like you, the answer to all of our body woes is to be like aggressively celebratory about them. And for some people, that's just not true. And so I think what can be even more effective than that is just like people 
just sharing what is true for them and just letting it letting it simmer and and the that's one thing that i just love so much not that the new york but sorry new york humans of new york humans of new york yeah humans yeah just it's hard my brain it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> um yeah the the humans of new york thing is not necessarily focused on bodies but one thing that he does so so well is like let people tell their stories and just like let them be what they are and not and not editorialize mm. and not like try to craft the story into something it isn't and i think that that is so effective and resonates with people so much more than like a neat narrative Ugh, nothing's ever this. tied up with that a nice yeah. little bow Sorry. Yeah, this, <laughs> no you're good it's just it reminds me so much we had on the podcast last week caroline a woman named liana who is a personal stylist shopper and does a lot of work with women on style to increase like self-esteem and just like intuitive healing through her shopping nice. and i ended up hiring her and we went through last week and we had a session and one of the things i talked to her about that we'll have a vulnerable moment. Maybe I've already yeah. said this on the podcast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I but, haven't heard it, so tell me. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, <laughs> I have a lot of problems personally with like personally embracing the posit- body positivity movement for myself mm-hmm. in like the very, like kind of how you're saying, yeah. not that I don't think it's a good thing. Like I think people should embrace people's bodies mm-hmm. no matter what they look like. And in that sense, I'm all for it. But when I hear it from me, it it feels disingenuous for me to go out there and be like, yes, I love my body the way it yeah. is right now. Because the reality is when I look in the mirror, it's not like, oh, I hate myself because I'm not a size two, yeah. but it's like, I have goals and I have, you know, certain ways that I'd I know that I'll feel healthier and happier when I hit them. Mm. And to me, embracing that movement for myself and being like, I'm going to love my body exactly the way it is right now mm. almost feels for me, like an excuse to live in a way that I know doesn't make me happy, hmm. where I don't feel good about myself hmm. and not in like a, I, I feel like I have to be careful about how I'm saying it, but I, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I look in the mirror and I hate me. And so I don't accept my body, but it's like, I look in the I could mirror be better. and I could be better and being like, I'm just going to be like this forever and stay happy here because body positivity and fuck all of you people and the culture (laughs) of needing to be skinny, like, yes, that, but also like, I still have goals that Mm. I want to hit for myself. And Mm. I think there's a difference between embracing where you're at and denying that you have places you want to go am I articulating myself no, in yeah. any way you, that makes sense you are I don't know no, no I you, totally yeah I I, I yes a hundred percent a hundred percent because it's like so this is for Sarah I used to be really fat <laughs> our friend Sarah jokes that in every episode Alla like disclaims people so I used to be really fat <laughs> no but like honestly like I what you're saying punch is like this was my life. Like I was complacent. Like I was, I would sit, I would get home on a Friday night and I'm like, fuck everyone. I was like, I love my body. I love being 273 pounds said no one ever. Like I would sit on the couch. No, but like, so some people would say that, but then at the same time, I'm like, psychologically, are you really happy? Like, I know you tell yourself that, but I think that like, 
and I'm going to get shit for saying that I'm sure. But I feel like I used to say that I'm like, no, I'm happy. Like I was like so adamant about it. And then it's kind of like what punch is saying. It's like now that I have gone down this road, the complacency doesn't make me happy anymore. Like, I feel like it was something I used to excuse myself from trying to make myself a better individual. Like punch was saying, like, Mm. like, well, I think Ella, like what, what you're saying and what I'm trying to say, and I think you're doing maybe a little better of a job at it is that there are, there are probably tons of people out there that are perfectly happy. Like looking in the mirror and being like, yes, I'm 273 pounds and I feel sexy. And I have a partner that is obsessed with me and I'm obsessed with me and I'm super happy. But then there's also a large portion of people that look in the mirror and are like, I'm going to love myself for being 273 pounds because that is the only way I know how to make myself feel good about this and use it as a, as a cover. And it's mm-hmm. like, you have both. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I I'd love that, to know your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, so I have a lot of thoughts. I mean, I think that like one thing that I think about a lot with, with these ideas about like what you owe to yourself about like what version of yourself you're going to be. I think that like, it's complicated because it's yeah. it's true that you can sort of recruit body positive narratives to avoid certain things about yourself that you don't want to address. But I think maybe what's deeper than that and what worries me more sometimes is that there's like this implicit idea about, for example, this idea of complacency. Like, what does it mean to be complacent? Well, it means that you are like settling for something less than what you should be settling for. The, the, the worry I then have is like, what is that thing that you think you're supposed to be doing or achieving that complacency is like settling for less than that? And some of those ideas might be like perfectly like worthy goals, like being happy, like feeling good, having, you know, being healthy, whatever it is the goals are. But some of them are easily confused with other goals that I think you don't have an obligation to achieve. So for example, like things like, you know, size and weight. So I don't think there's any particular size or weight that anyone has like an obligation to strive for. And I think that like one thing, at least for me, you know, I, I had like a pretty rocky history for a while with my body and like what I thought my body was supposed to be like, what I thought I was supposed to be striving for. I spent a lot of college being like very obsessive with diet and exercise and stuff. And and one of the things that felt really useful to me to separate from once I got out of that was like, you know, so much of these views about my body were bound up with, with ideas about what health was supposed to look like. And for me, I had to stop looking at any sort of things on the internet that equated health with size or health with weight or health with shape. And it was like, okay, if what I care about is being healthy, why don't I find, you know, ways to eat foods that make me feel good or to find ways of moving my body that make me feel really fulfilled, you know, dancing more or going for walks and listening to podcasts or whatever it was. But I had to completely sever that from any aesthetic goals. Now that might not be any everybody's strategy, but I had to, for myself at least, 
separate from all ideas about like what the right weight that I needed to be at was or like what parts of my body needed to look different because it was too easy for me to just confuse those things with the things that I actually cared about and what actually yeah. ultimately mattered to me totally and so I and think I think you're doing the- a really good job of explaining <laughs> much yeah much better <laughs> like she I. sounds so much better about, like way healthier <laughs> mentally to be honest no, I I'm mean, like that's what I mean and I'm with it's, you I love it's, it it's hard because like one, one thing that I think is so like deeply bullshit about the way that health and fitness are portrayed on the internet is that so much of the internet dialogues around health pretend that what they're focusing on is health, but what they're actually just focusing on is fatness or, or some sort of aesthetic goals. And so it's, it's so easy in all these like, you know, Fitspo boards and Pinterest boards and Instagram accounts and whatever. And like, they, they sort of recruit these narratives about loving your body and being healthy and respecting your body and striving to be your personal best and blah, blah, blah. And they recruit the, they recruit that language to actually endorse really problematic goals. And so it seems like it's empowering, but actually what it is, is like, just finding sneakier ways to make you hate parts of yourself or, or make, you know, finding sneakier ways to make you feel like you failed to attain something that you were supposed to be attaining when actually you never needed to do that in the first place. So it, it's hard because these things get so confused in so many conversations about health and about personal development and improvement in a way that just can make it really hard to separate like what is the goal that you really care about and what is the goal that you think you're supposed to be striving for yeah okay much better put than (laughs) what we said Uh, yes yes you can tell that you do something where you get to experience a bunch of women from a bunch of perspectives and that we are like I'm just gonna off the cuff say some shit (laughs) honestly off the cuff saying some shit I have a I am getting my PhD in philosophy that's all philosophers do is off the cuff say some shit so (laughs) super familiar with that strategy (laughs) maybe we should just be for the love of philosophy you know no I think Punch and I Punch and I are very transparent for the most part and this is we want to connect with our listeners and this is who we are, you know, like you either yeah. love it or you hate it. If you hate it, just keep it moving. You know? <laughs> right. I think in general, like one of the messages that I just take away from all of these things and, you know, that I think translates in your photography work as well is that it doesn't really fucking matter what anybody else or society or whatever thinks that you're supposed to be. If you aren't happy or you are really happy with some part of your body then that is completely valid. And like, it's, it's all just about that. And like, obviously that is not like trying to permit like people who have actual illnesses with their like body image illnesses, like Mm -hmm. anorexia, bulimia and things like that. If, if that is something you're experiencing, I'm not trying to say that like, well, I mean, you're valid for having that experience, obviously, (laughs) but like, that is something that I hope people seek help for, for themselves so that they can be healthier because that's not a healthy place to be Mm. in general. It's just not good for anyone, but your experience is valid around your body, whether it's loving your roles or loving your, your like thigh gap, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Both are valid. And so is wanting to be in a, in a different spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that people myself included can surprise themselves about like 
what kinds of feelings towards their own bodies are possible. And it's so hard because like, you know, all of us, but definitely women in particular are just like taught from the day that they are born that they're, they're supposed to feel a certain thing towards their bodies. And not only are their bodies supposed to look a certain way, but like, it's, it's almost like hating your body or being critical of your body is just like this rite of passage of womanhood that like what it is to be a woman is to like fight with your body for your whole life. And you don't have to do that. And, and I think that when, when we're taught that being at war with your body is like the natural state of womanhood for so long, it can be truly inconceivable to imagine a world in which you don't war with your body or you don't hate your body. And so what, I hope that, you know, the body positivity or body liberation movement or people who work with with people's relationships with their bodies or my work, what I hope any of it is doing is at least just like creating a space where people can explore what it would feel like not to be at war with their bodies, even if they if even if they're not, you know, just like aggressively confident and like super body positive in, in the way that they feel about themselves, at least it being shown that it's possible that you don't have to hate your body or that you could have a different relationship with it is powerful enough because if you just make that space for them, then people have the chance to explore something that they might not have even thought was conceivable before that. I think we need more Caroline Kings in the world. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking and I'm like, I want a little version of her on my shoulder. I'll try to, to get break you like a my chain. negative like <laughs> programming cycles. It's all yeah. such a journey though. It's like I have mm-hmm. been, you know, just it, all of us have just been working one day at a time to like undo one tiny thing that we think about our bodies or one tiny thing that we think about ourselves. And it's not something that you just like wake up one day and you're like, I'm good. I've, I've sorted out all my baggage. I've got it covered. <laughs> like I feel great. That just never happens. So you just, and I think that like things like this conversation or, 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 you know, the kinds of accounts that you follow on social media or the kinds of books that you read or whatever, all of these things make like tiny chips at, at how you feel about your body. And, and it's just these like tiny little building blocks that you just got to do one per day. And then suddenly someday you feel really differently about yourself than you ever thought you could. I love it. Caroline, this has been so enlightening. Like, first of all, your work's amazing. I'm so happy you, you agreed to do this podcast yes, and like, it's just me been too. such a pleasure. I was really hoping that this conversation would kind of shift in this direction where we could just really delve into some of this stuff. Cause I mm. think that your work allows you to have a really beautiful and unique perspective and an intimate perspective with many women that, that you just have a war- more well-rounded view of like mm. what a lot of women experience because of what you do for your work. So I'm really grateful for you sharing your thoughts on all of this and then just coming on in general. This Um, is so much fun. Yeah. So at the end of every one of our episodes, we do a little card poll. I don't know if you're like into the woo, but we do this at the end. (laughs) Let's do the woo. I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. We always do a card poll. Um, Aloe, I'm going to have you do it today because- Just because I feel like is this a tarot card poll? I'm I yeah or an oracle deck. I don't even know what the tell me what the difference is. So okay, yeah. So actually, probably you're probably not our only listener that doesn't know. So tarot is 
different than oracles. We usually, okay. we've done some tarot polls before. I don't even know how to begin to explain tarot. I feel like pe- most people like know of tarot. So I won't even go into a lot of that. My friend um, gave me a tarot card reading once, like at three o'clock in the morning when I was super high. And so I feel like I yeah. need to be reintroduced to it when I'm yeah. back. <laughs> So tarot readings like give you the middle finger and like put you in your place. Mm. Um, Oracle decks are a little more like gentle and positive. They're like your that. friend that is going to give you like a nice hug and tell you everything's going to be okay. Yes. But like, but friend. sometimes don't they also keep flip you texting off. that guy that's ignoring <laughs> you, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. It's like a gentle, like he doesn't want you, you know, like, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're just like a little more uplifting. I feel like their messages are like, you can interpret it as a middle finger if they're mm. like giving you some hard truths, yeah. but tarot is like going to give you like the dark, hard truths. They're like, you are going to fail miserably <laughs> no, and there will terrifying. be a dark forest and then you will emerge or spawn, no, no. like, or that's something. You know, tarot does that. Whereas an Oracle deck is like, you're a dove and sometimes doves are the less loved birds of the universe but that's okay because you gentle I don't know like <laughs> I'm ready to be a dove yeah right. let's know. do this I'm just like pulling anxiety I don't know and that's how great. I look at the difference between oracle and tarot so okay perfect that clarifies yeah. that so so how does it work you're gonna pull a card and what do I do so, you don't have to do anything we're just oh, amazing gonna my pull favorite. a card and usually yeah go ahead Ella. I was just gonna say I usually ask you know I'm gonna ask right now like you know our spirit guides you know what does our collective need to hear what message does everyone need to hear and how can it help in one way or another perfect and then, and I'm using Oracle of the Seven Energies by our girl Colette. You know, one of these days, I'm going to ask her to be on the podcast. You know what? I'm just going to yes. do it. So you anyway. pick left, middle, or right? Left. Okay. It's always the card I say in my head. It's always the pile. It's so really <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Some of our what... listeners, they are like, oh, you actually do this? We're like, yeah. Awakening genius. Genius, yes. Ooh. So let's see what this guy has got to say. Yes. So let's see. Number 29. I love these cards. I don't use them enough. Okay. <clears throat> so this one stands for the spirit of creative expression, bringing forth new information, birthing, knowing that your ideas matter. The ancient Greeks believed that each person had a specific genius that acted like a spirit guide, inspiring you with new ideas to further your evolution as an individual, as well as the evolution of all humanity. You could say that genius is the spirit of creative expression. And when you tune into it, amazing things happen. When your genius awakens, you realize that you do not have to do everything yourself. You have an, ins- you have an inspired, dedicated, wise helper on your side. Today, can you imagine cultivating a playful relationship with this extraordinary spirit? If you can, you'll recognize that you don't have to solve every problem with only the knowledge, memories, and experiences you already have accrued. Your intellect in this case serves as a channel for the spirit of genius, and it can filter in new information. How you forge this connection is to get out of your own way and simply allow it to work through you. The word genius comes from the Latin uh, gig, gig near. <laughs> like, thanks, hold it up to thanks, the screen. Colette. Hold yeah, it up. See. Hold it up. Gig near. Hold it. Hold it up to the. Phone. Hold on, girl. Spell it. I can't see shit. Okay. Gig. Uh, yeah, that's. Gig. Yeah, I don't know. I don't what know. I would G- guess. 
So guys, for if you listeners. know how to pronounce this word, yeah, it's Latin speaking listeners. G I G N E R E. So, all right. It meaning to bring forth or birth. Damn. Um, and shares the same root as the word generate. You are, you are at this moment about to give birth to a new mode of expression and a powerful one at that. Commit to partnering with your genius and allow deep satisfaction and success and only, I'm sorry, and only deep satisfaction and success will result. I apparently can't read. Uh, today is a day when your inspired ideas matter. Dude. I know. I know. Every time. <laughs> drag me to hell every time oh my god the the oh my god the like the shit about like don't let your whatever I can't remember exactly like you can't solve everything with your intellect or whatever like yeah. you can't just like think you're that is my fucking the title of my memoir like all I ever do is like first of all overwork myself try to solve every problem myself and try to solve it all by just like thinking as hard as I can which as it turns out is not the best solution sometimes so that is right. such an apt card wow isn't yeah. it funny Amazing. That's great. I, I love, love it. That. Me too. Yay! So I think Yay. we covered where everyone can find you. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, and you guys, I'll put it in the information section for the episode. So you'll be able to find her. And then obviously we're going to blow her up on our Instagram the next couple of days. Hey. So you'll be able to see or find her on our posts and in the info. Um, and then obviously go check out her page. Cause it's amazing. Thanks babes. This was so much fun. Yay. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you for coming. Yay. Yes. Thank you so much. And My guys, pleasure. as always, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and share. Yes. And of course we love you guys. Yes. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.